0: Hello. How's everyone doing today? Thank you all for thank you all for being here today. I know that this is the busy time of the semester, and so your time is precious and valuable to you. And so I appreciate you taking the time out to be here this evening. If you were here last week, you got to hear Mr. Caleb Knott give a fantastic talk on the book of Job. And if you weren't here last week, I really encourage you to go give it a listen on our podcast, um, our CSE podcast. You can find that on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever. Or you can watch it on our YouTube channel. And I uh, really encourage you to go back and do that because I know for a fact that you will be encouraged by doing so. And so if you haven't, be sure to encourage Caleb and, and give him a pat on the back and, and a high five, because it takes a lot of guts to get up here and share from your heart in front of all of your peers. And so I know for a fact how much work he puts into it and how much time and, and how much he practices that those lessons. And so I really encourage him and, and thank him for doing that uh, for you guys. A lot of you know that I grew up in New York, up at West. And West Point is a very unique place. It is the military academy, and so uh, college students from all over the country go to West Point. It is actually the hardest school in the country to get into, and they go and they study for four years and go through training. And when they graduate, they become officers in the army.
1: And so living at West
0: Point, growing up at West Point was a very unique opportunity for me because I got to meet people from all over the country because their parents were stationed there from out west or the south or the midwest really all over the country and really all over the world I remember in eighth eighth or ninth grade around there I got to meet this kid named Ian and Ian he was from Great Britain and his his parents I think his dad was on an exchange program with West Point so his dad was there for a few years teaching, and I got to know Ian um, for a few years. And Ian, he was a pretty cool kid. We had a lot of the same interests. Um, he really liked it snowboarding and liked it skateboarding, and that's what I was into uh, at that time as well.
1: Um, I was also kind
0: of a punk kid, and so I listened to a lot of punk music, and he liked the same music that I liked. And we were. Uh, he listened to, like, the Dead Kennedys, and The Clash, and Rancid, and Op Ivy, and those were the bands that I loved as well. And so, um, Ian, he really wanted to be my friend, and uh, on the surface, it seems like we should have been pretty good friends. The problem was, is that I didn't like Ian. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it was about it, Why I just didn't like Ian. Uh, maybe it was his accent, or the way he looked, so uh, maybe it was just uh you know i don't know I, I just didn't like him and and i decided that we not only were we not going to be friends we were going to be enemies okay and so i like constantly uh bullying wasn't really a term back then but i bullied um so <laughs> like, i constantly made fun of him i constantly uh criticized him pushed him down um and made his life pretty miserable In fact, after school one day, we actually got into a fight because I had pushed him to his limit with my constant barrage
1: of name calling and and making fun of and and so forth. Have you ever felt like an email before?
0: Have you ever felt like you were on the outside looking in?
1: No matter what you did, right? You were constantly made fun of or picked up and you were on the outside looking or maybe you relate
0: more to me in that story and then you were the ones that were you were the one that was always in the in crowd and deciding who was in and who was out i think if you are honest with yourself right there's times in your life where you felt like an idiot and times in your life where you felt like i didn't during that time
1: if you have your Bibles with you, we're
0: going to be continuing our study of the book of Mark. And as we explore this spiritual theme of authenticity this year, studying the Gospels and the life of Jesus, like that is um, what could be more authentic than studying Jesus and trying to become more and more like. And so we're going to continue our study in the book of Mark. And uh, we're, we're going to be in Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 13. It says when Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. Again, and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alpheus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to them. So Levi got up and followed him. Now Levi is what who most Christians refer to as Matthew. Uh, Levi was his given name, Matthew is, was his nickname that he went by, and in the Gospel of Matthew, he actually refers to himself as Matthew, but here in the Gospel of Mark and also in Luke, uh, they refer to him by his given name, of Levi, and Matthew actually means gift of God, and um, but regardless, Levi, he was a tax collector, and tax collectors were not well-liked people. They were corrupt, they were, um, they were outcasts, social outcasts of the day, and one of the reasons why uh, tax collectors were not well liked was because they pretty much stole money from everyone, and so uh, Levi, he, he would have been on the road, and it would have been like a toll booth, right, and we don't really have toll booths and in Tennessee, but in Georgia, we had toll booths and they were really annoying, right? You come up to a toll booth and you have to pay, you know, so much money, and then you get to go through. And that's kind of what Levi's job was. He was a toll booth or a tax collector for this road. And what he would have done is he would have, let's say, it cost a dollar to get through to the road. And he would have said, okay, you owe me a dollar 50 and he would have kept the 50 cents and then paid the dollar to the Roman government. And so it was known that tax collectors did this and you could see why everyone hated tax collectors because they pretty much stole money from you, but there was nothing you could do about it. And not only that, Levi, he was working for the Roman government. And so according to the Jews, he was like a traitor to the Jews, because he was working for the Roman government, and simply by having this job, Levi he would have been he would not have been allowed to be witness in court.
1: Right? He also would have been excommunicated from the synagogue, and him, and not just him, but his whole family would have been outcasts in the community that they lived in. And so no wonder Levi gets up and follows Jesus when he is invited to. Him.
0: Right? Levi he has no friends. He is an outcast. He is not allowed in the synagogue. And yet Jesus comes by and he says, "Hey, come, and follow me." If you were in Levi's shoes, you probably would have done the same thing.
1: Continuing on verse
0: 15, it says, later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples,
1: why does he eat with such scum? Knowing what we know about Levi, it makes sense
0: that when he invited Jesus and his disciples to his house, that all the other people there were other tax collectors and sinners and social outcasts, right? Because social outcasts tend to stick together, don't they? If you don't believe me, just look at any high school cafeteria at lunchtime. I used to be a teacher and at lunchtime, I would sit in the cafeteria and I could tell who the outcasts were because they were
1: all sitting together. Right? The movies don't exaggerate, outcasts tend to stick together. And we
0: miss something culturally in, uh, in this text because an invite to dinner meant a lot more back then than it does today.
1: Right? Today, if
0: someone invites you to dinner and you go and you have a good time and so forth, it's, uh, you, it means something, but it didn't have the significant significance that it did back then. Back then, if you invited someone to dinner, you were saying, hey, I want to do life with you. And if I, Jesus accepting that, and he's saying, hey, I want to do life with you as well. I accept you as a person. I want to be close to you.
1: And here's the thing, right? Jesus, he is a friend to the friendless. See, Jesus, by accepting
0: this dinner, he was saying, hey, I am going to be a friend to the friendless.
1: I accept you when society rejects you. And so, the Pharisees, they say, why does he eat with such
0: scum? I want you to imagine for a second that you saw me out and about Knoxville with some known criminals and some known, like, prostitutes and so forth, right? And not just out and about with them, interacting with them, but, like, having fun with them, throwing the Frisbee, going out to eat, hopping in the car, like, really just hanging out and having fun with these known criminals and prostitutes and so forth. Right? A lot of you would have the same questions that the Pharisees had. They'd be like, why is Jason
1: hanging out and eating with that scum? Right? And some of you might, might say
0: that, you know, um, some of you
1: might pull me aside and be like, hey Jason, what, what are you doing? Don't, don't you know that this looks bad? Right? some of
0: you might just question it and talk about it behind my back.
1: Some of you might even try to give me fire. I know people that in ministry that have been fired for things like that. And I love
0: Jesus' response here in verse 17. He says, When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous,
1: but those who know they are sinners. Have you guys seen that show, Cobra Kai, on Netflix? Anyone? Yes. I really like that
0: show. Um, I know it's kind of, yeah, whatever. I, I like that shit. Um, and one <laughs> of the reasons why I like it is because I really love the show or the movies, Friday Kate, from Up. And Cobra Kai is kind of an extension of the, the movies uh, movie Karate Kid. And, and the first Karate Kid, you have Daniel. He moves to Southern California with his mom to get a new life. And he gets mixed up with the Johnny Lawrence from the Cobra Kai dojo. And he gets... Uh, you know, he tries to defend this girl and he gets beat up as a result. And uh, eventually um, he gets connected with Mr. Miyagi. And Mr. Miyagi, he trains him up and and teaches him the ways of karate. And the whole movie culminates at a tournament, the All-Valley tournament, where Daniel faces his arch nemesis, Johnny Lawrence, in the final round of this tournament. And he defeats him and wins the all-valley tournament. And the, the show Cobra Kai, uh, what I love about the show is that it is a, from the perspective of Johnny Lawrence.
1: And in Johnny Lawrence's mind, right?
0: Daniel is the
1: bad guy. You see, in Johnny Lawrence's mind, Daniel is the one that moved into this town And
0: started picking fights with him. Daniel is the one that moved into his town and stole his girlfriend. Daniel is the one that used an illegal kick in the Holt Valley tournament to
1: win what he thought should have been his. You see, in Johnny's mind, Daniel is the bad guy and he is the good guy.
0: But in Daniel's mind, It's obvious that Johnny is the bad guy and Cobra Kaiar, the evil dojo, is the evil dojo, and he
1: is the good guy. And we all tend to do this, don't we? We all tend to put ourselves as the good guy in the story.
0: And as we look at this passage in Mark, it is easy to put yourself in the story as the good guy. It is easy to say that,
1: hey... I am Levi, or I am Jesus in this story. But the truth of the matter is that for most Christians, we are the Pharisees in the story. You see, the Pharisees, they knew the law, and they studied the law, and they were excellent at following the law. And for a lot of
0: Christians that have grown up in the church,
1: we know what is
0: right and wrong. We know the big sins, right? And we are excellent at not doing the big sins. And the problem is, is that, uh, and first off, I have to get this caveat, right? I'm not saying that following the rules is bad, right? Following the rules is good. You should follow the wisdom of the Bible. Doing so will save you from a lot of heartache. The problem, though, is that when you, uh, when you think you are righteous for doing the right stuff, that is when being right becomes wrong. When you think you are righteous for doing the right stuff and following all the rules, that is when being right
1: becomes wrong. See, the Pharisees, they thought they were righteous because they did all the right stuff. Right? But they were in the wrong way. Gandhi did what a lot of Christians haven't even done.
0: Right? Gandhi, uh, he read through the Bible multiple times. I know a lot of Christians have even read through the Bible once. Right? And Gandhi, he read through the Bible multiple times and, and he actually wanted to become a Christian at some point. And so he went to the local church and he was turned away because
1: of the color of his skin and his social status. Gandhi, one of his more famous quotes says, I'd be a Christian if it were not for the Christians. Gandhi would have been a Christian if it was not for the Christians. And chances are, right, you fall into one of two camps here. You either
0: fall into the out camp or the in camp. Right? And if, if you're hearing me talk tonight and, and you think to yourself, hey, I have always been in the out camp. right? No matter what I've done, no matter how hard I've tried, I've never seemed to fit in. I've never been able to fit in and be in the in crowd.
1: I've always been an outcast. Right? If that is you tonight, I want to give you some encouragement. See, Jesus, he was a friend to the friendless. He constantly sought
0: after the social outcasts and those that had no friends. He said, Hey, I don't care about that. I want to be
1: your friend. And he's doing that for you as well. So if that is you tonight, know that Jesus is inviting you to be in relationship
0: with. Him. The chances are, most of you fall into the in crowd. Okay, there's a reason why they're called outcasts or social outcasts because they're in the minority, and so most of you probably fall into the in king. Right
1: okay. you've
0: always had friends you've uh, whether that's in school or in your youth group or at church or here at the CSC you've never really struggled with that side of
1: things. And if that is you, right, it is easy for you to accept that Christ wants to be in relationship
0: with you because honestly, everyone does. right? Everyone wants
1: to be in relationship with you. You've never had a
0: hard time making friends. And so it's easy for
1: you to accept that Christ wants to be in relationship with you because frankly, everyone does. But what's hard and what's harder is for you to accept that Christ wants to be in relationship with the sinners and the outcasts, too. You think that you are better than others. And so Christ, of course, wants to be in relationship with you, but he doesn't want to be in relationship
0: with those that you think are too far gone. He doesn't want, it's hard for you to accept that Christ wants to be in a relationship with that girl or that guy in that sorority or fraternity that's known for party. It's hard to accept that Christ wants to be in a relationship with that guy that is selling drugs or that person who is
1: constantly looking for the next high or the next fix. It's hard for you to accept that Christ wants to be in relationship with that guy who got that girl pregnant, or that girl who had an abortion. It is hard for you to accept that Christ wants to be in relationship with a person you just don't it is easy to accept that Christ wants to be
0: in relationship with you. It is easy to put yourself in the position of the good guy. It is a lot harder to accept that Christ wants to be in relationship with the
1: sinners and the outcasts too. 1 Corinthians 9, chapter 9 verses 22 through 23
0: when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save someone. I do everything to spread the good
1: news and share in its blessings. Don't be A stumbling block for someone coming to Christ. Don't be like the person who turned Gandhi away from the church. Can you imagine the good that Gandhi would have been able to do for the kingdom of God if he wasn't turned away from so often we we get on our uh,
0: our righteous platform and we think we are better than others because
1: we are following the rules and we become judgmental of those who aren't living to the standard that we are living to.
0: And instead of being a friend to the friendless and the social actors,
1: instead we are a stumbling block to them coming. So, as I wrap up tonight, I want to
0: encourage you to not just not be a stumbling block, but to imitate Jesus and his example. Jesus wanted to be a friend to the friendless. You should be a friend to the friendless as well. It shouldn't matter if they smell bad or if they are weird or if they have Uh, different interests or likes than you. We should do what Paul says and try to find common ground with them. Sometimes that may mean going to a football game or playing ultimate or spike ball when you're really not that type of person. Sometimes it might mean playing like a board game or
1: Dungeons and Dragons. Sometimes it might mean, like, showing interest in The Bachelor or The Circle or Star Wars or Star Trek. See, it is all worth it if a soul
0: gets saved for eternity. You shouldn't care if other people are going to look down on you or talk bad about you if that soul gets saved for
1: eternity. And so it's not good enough to just not be a stumbling block. We need to imitate Christ. To become a friend to the friends.
0: And so if you are here tonight and you haven't made the decision to accept Jesus' invitation to follow him, then I would love nothing more than to talk to you about how to make that come find me or come find one of the student leaders, and and we can, uh, we would love to instruct you on that, how how to make that happen and to celebrate with you tonight as as you make that decision. Uh, If you have any prayer needs, after we're done here tonight, there's gonna be a member of our prayer team down in the study room, which is right down the stairs immediately on your right, and they will be there available to pray over you, if you have any please stand as we worship our Lord
1: together
0: you
1: <laughs>